Chapters fifty eight and fifty nine of Tristram Shandy, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bruce Peary. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume four, last volume, by Lawrence Stern. Chapter fifty eight my father had such a skirmishing cutting kind of a slashing way with him in his disputations thrusting and ripping and giving every one a stroke to remember him by in his turn that if there were twenty people in company in less than half an hour he was sure to have every one of em against him what did not a little contribute to leave him thus without an ally was that if there was any one post more untenable than the rest he would be sure to throw himself into it and to do him justice when he was once there he would defend it so gallantly that twould have been a concern either to a brave man or a good-natured one to have seen him driven out yorick for this reason though he would often attack him yet could never bear to do it with all his force dr slop's virginity in the close of the last chapter had got him for once on the right side of the rampart and he was beginning to blow up all the convents in christendom about slop's ears when corporal trim came into the parlour to inform my uncle toby that his thin scarlet breeches in which the attack was to be made upon mrs wadman would not do for that the tailor in ripping them up in order to turn them had found that they had been turned before then turn them again brother said my father rapidly for there will be many a turning of em yet before all's done in the affair they are as rotten as dirt said the corporal then by all means said my father bespeak a new pair brother for though i know continued my father turning himself to the company that widow wadman has been deeply in love with my brother toby for many years and has used every art and circumvention of woman to outwit him into the same passion yet now that she has caught him her fever will be past its height she has gained her point in this case continued my father which plato i am persuaded never thought of love you see is not so much a sentiment as a situation into which a man enters as my brother toby would do into a corps no matter whether he loves the service or no being once in it he acts as if he did, and takes every step to show himself a man of prowess. The hypothesis, like the rest of my father's, was plausible enough, and my uncle Toby had but a single word to object to it, in which Trim stood ready to second him, but my father had not drawn his conclusion. For this reason, continued my father, stating the case over again, notwithstanding all the world knows that mrs wadman affects my brother toby and my brother toby contrarywise affects mrs wadman and no obstacle in nature to forbid the music striking up this very night yet will i answer for it that this self-same tune will not be played this twelvemonth we have taken our measures badly quoth my uncle toby looking up interrogatively in trim's face i would lay my montero cap said trim now trim's montero cap as i once told you was his constant wager and having furbished it up that very night in order to go upon the attack it made the odds look more considerable i would lay and please your honour my montero cap to a shilling was it proper continued trim making a bow to offer a wager before your honours 
there is nothing improper in it said my father tis a mode of expression for in saying thou wouldst lay thy montero cap to a shilling all thou meanest is this that thou believest now what dost thou believe that widow wadman and please your worship cannot hold it out ten days and whence cried slop jeeringly hast thou all this knowledge of woman friend by falling in love with a popish clergywoman said trim twas a begin said my uncle toby dr slop was too much in wrath to listen to the distinction and my father taking that very crisis to fall in helter-skelter upon the whole order of nuns and begins a set of silly fusty baggages slop could not stand it and my uncle toby having some measures to take about his breeches and yorick about his fourth general division in order for their several attacks next day the company broke up and my father being left alone and having half an hour upon his hands betwixt that and bedtime he called for pen ink and paper and wrote my uncle toby the following letter of instructions my dear brother toby what i am going to say to thee is upon the nature of women and of love-making to them and perhaps it is as well for thee though not so well for me that thou hast occasion for a letter of instructions upon that head and that i am able to write it to thee had it been the good pleasure of him who disposes of our lots and thou no sufferer by the knowledge i had been well content that thou shouldst have dipped the pen this moment into the ink instead of myself but that not being the case mrs shandy being now close beside me preparing for bed i have thrown together without order and just as they have come into my mind such hints and documents as i deem may be of use to thee intending in this to give thee a token of my love not doubting my dear toby of the manner in which it will be accepted in the first place with regard to all which concerns religion in the affair though i perceive from a glow in my cheek that i blush as i begin to speak to thee upon the subject as well knowing notwithstanding thy unaffected secrecy how few of its offices thou neglectest yet i would remind thee of one during the continuance of thy courtship in a particular manner which i would not have omitted and that is never to go forth upon the enterprise whether it be in the morning or the afternoon without first recommending thyself to the protection of almighty god that he may defend thee from the evil one shave the whole top of thy crown clean once at least every four or five days but oftener if convenient lest in taking off thy wig before her through absence of mind she should be able to discover how much has been cut away by time how much by trim twere better to keep ideas of baldness out of her fancy always carry it in thy mind and act upon it as a sure maxim toby that women are timid and tis well they are else there would be no dealing with them let not thy breeches be too tight or hang too loose about thy thighs like the trunk hose of our ancestors a just medium prevents all conclusions whatever thou hast to say be it more or less forget not to utter it in a low soft tone of voice silence and whatever approaches it weaves dreams of midnight secrecy into the brain 
For this cause, if thou canst help it, never throw down the tongs and poker. Avoid all kinds of pleasantry and facetiousness in thy discourse with her, and do whatever lies in thy power at the same time to keep her from all books and writings which tend thereto. There are some devotional tracts which if thou canst entice her to read over it will be well. But suffer her not to look into Rabelais or Scarron or Don Quixote. They are all books which excite laughter, and thou knowest, dear Toby, that there is no passion so serious as lust. Stick a pin in the bosom of thy shirt before thou enterest her parlour. And if thou art permitted to sit upon the same sofa with her, and she gives thee occasion to lay thy hand upon hers, beware of taking it. Thou canst not lay thy hand on hers, but she will feel the temper of thine. Leave that and as many other things as thou canst quite undetermined. By so doing thou wilt have her curiosity on thy side, and if she is not conquered by that, and thy ass continues still kicking, which there is great reason to suppose, thou must begin with first losing a few ounces of blood below the ears, according to the practice of the ancient Scythians, who cured the most intemperate fits of the appetite by that means. Avicenna, after this, is for having the part anointed with the syrup of hellebore, using proper evacuations and purges, and I believe rightly. But thou must eat little or no goat's flesh, nor red deer, nor even foal's flesh by any means, and carefully abstain, that is, as much as thou canst, from peacocks, cranes, coots, didappers, and water-hens. As for thy drink, I need not tell thee, it must be the infusion of vervain and the herb hania, of which Elian relates such effects. But if thy stomach palls with it, discontinue it, from time to time, taking cucumbers, melons, purslane, water-lilies, woodbine, and lettuce in the stead of them. There is nothing further for thee which occurs to me at present, unless the breaking out of a fresh war. So wishing everything, dear Toby, for best, I rest thy affectionate brother, Walter Shandy. CHAPTER Fifty Nine. Whilst my father was writing his letter of instructions, my uncle Toby and the corporal were busy in preparing everything for the attack. As the turning of the thin scarlet breeches was laid aside, at least for the present, there was nothing which should put it off beyond the next morning, so accordingly it was resolved upon for eleven o'clock. "'Come, my dear,' said my father to my mother, "'twill be but like a brother and sister if you and I take a walk down to my brother Toby's to countenance him in this attack of his. My uncle Toby and the corporal had been accoutred both some time when my father and mother entered, and the clock striking eleven were that moment in motion to sally forth. But the account of this is worth more than to be wove into the fag end of the eighth, alluding to the first edition, volume of such a work as this. My father had no time but to put the letter of instructions into my uncle Toby's coat-pocket, and join with my mother in wishing his attack prosperous. "'I could like,' said my mother, "'to look through the keyhole out of curiosity.' "'Call it by its right name, my dear,' quoth my father, "'and look through the keyhole as long as you will.'" End of chapters 58 and 59